Hello and welcome to Dream Life Best Fit Role with me, Nikki Smith. I'm a psychologist and a career and business coach. I believe everybody can love their work and I help people to use their natural strengths to transform their work life and love their job. These podcast episodes shine a light on individuals who have created their dream life, best fit role or business. I focus on how they've played to their natural strengths, those activities that energize and inspire them and how they've conducted mini experiments to take the fear out of change and generate momentum. Hello, I'm delighted to be speaking with Sally Wilson today. Sally grew up in country Victoria, had a 20-year international operatic and concert career, performing in Europe, North America, Asia, UK and home Australia. She has also taught masterclasses and classical voice at university in Australia and overseas. Sally and her husband, ex-concert pianist Mark Kruger, moved back from Europe to Australia five and a half years ago. Now, Sally helps people resolve depression, anxiety, panic attacks and chronic stress, guiding people to get out of their own way so they can thrive. She works with clients both here and overseas. And I had the pleasure of working with Sally and I'm so delighted to share her story with you today. Welcome, Sally. Thank you, Nikki. It's great being here. Fantastic. So first up, when we first met, you were performing as an opera singer. I think most people are quite fascinated with that. So why don't we share some of your favourite highlights from your singing career? Yeah, well, some of my highlights were obviously kind of goals reached, like performing at fantastic halls like the Berliner Konzerthaus um, in Munich at the Modern Opera Festival there, the Biennale, wonderful festivals like the Albra Festival, Wigmore Hall, things like that, which were really, they were just thrilling to do and to achieve. But then there were other highlights which were incredibly fun. For example, performing in Gundawindi in the middle of nowhere in Australia. Gundawindians might not agree that it's the middle of nowhere, but, you know, compared to Wigmore Hall or London or something like that, it's kind of the middle of nowhere. But the vibe and the fun of some of those more regional performances were just as enriching as performing in some of those really high-profile venues as well. And what was it about the regional concert that got you so excited? It was the sense of fun. You know, in a lot of serious venues... (laughs) It's exactly that. It's quite serious. People don't like making a mistake, clapping at the wrong time. You know, you've got critics writing about you in newspapers. (laughs) You know, all these people are sort of sitting there. Some people are, of course, purely there to enjoy the performance, but others are there really to to give a critical appraisal. Whereas in Gundawindi and some of the the regional concerts that, that Mark and I tended to do together when we came back to Australia... It was all about fun and having a good time. And I remember one particular time, Mark was wearing red pants. He likes to dress up when he performs. And I just remember the wolf whistles when he walked out on that stage. (laughs) (laughs) It was hilarious. And that set the vibe for the whole concert. It was just the greatest experience. So much fun. Oh, that's fantastic. So Sally... When you were at a career crossroad, can you describe what work and life was like for you? We'd just moved back from Europe. So there were several massive changes happening at once. So it wasn't just the career change. It was just, it was big life changes. So I'd been away for 20 years, about six years of that. I'd been away with Mark, with my husband. Uh, We moved back to Australia. I knew that I didn't want to keep singing full time because 
opera is really all-consuming. It's hard to do other things at the same time, and yet there were all these wonderful things that I was really interested in and, and had been for a long time. Yeah, but it was just time. I'd kind of ticked all the boxes that I wanted to tick with singing. So I found myself back in a small town, which is wonderful. I absolutely love it, but it was a bit of a culture shock. <laughs> Even though it was a return to my home country, it was a bit of a culture shock. So I was kind of dealing with that and also perhaps some of the, the listeners will be able to relate to this. We don't have kids. And when you move to a small community in your late 30s or, or 40s, almost all the other people your age have kids. And that's how their social network is formed. So we had that challenge too, of just trying to sort of find our tribe, I guess. So that took a while as well on top of the career stuff. Like what on earth am I going to do now? Nikki, you know me very well now. You know that it's not for want of ideas <laughs> for me. The struggle is more in focusing. There are so many things I love to do, so many things I'm interested in. I struggle in not wanting to miss out on anything. <laughs> yeah. And I see, I love that. I think that's completely normal. And I think it's worth me reiterating this at this juncture. Can you hear Sally loves doing so many things. Sally has many, many ideas. And uh, that is actually completely normal. And we now have a phrase for it, multi-passionate, and you can have a portfolio career. You can do more than one thing. So if you're hearing what Sally's saying and it's ringing true for you, please know that I think it's completely normal. I'm a multi-passionate as well. And I work with a lot of people who are like that. And yes, you have lots of interests and that's the conundrum, isn't it? How many can I focus on and still be satisfied? Don't you think? Absolutely. And I, I was aware when I was really at that crossroads, I was aware that I was kind of dipping my toes to in a, into a bunch of different ponds, but just on the surface level. And I wasn't satisfied with that either. I like to do things well. I've gotten over perfectionism. <laughs> I used to be a perfectionist. Thank goodness I'm not now. But it was really, I remember times where I was standing in the kitchen, just standing there thinking, what on earth am I going to do? <laughs> how am I going to do it? And how is that going to look? Because I'd had such extraordinary focus for such a long time. I mean, really since I was sort of 19 years old. And then to have this whole world of possibilities open to me was baffling. <laughs> Thank goodness for Nikki. <laughs> so before we met, what had you tried, Sally? What kind of when you say dabbling on the surface, before we met, yeah, what had you tried and what well, contributed to the bafflement, do you think? Yeah, well, I'd always been really interested in alternative healing, the power of the mind. So, for example, I'd studied and helped my singing colleagues and also for myself uh, with Reiki and with another healing art called Jin Shinjitsu, which works on the energy systems of the body. Uh, what else had I done? I'd taught yoga briefly, just on the side for fun. So I'd done a yoga teacher training and taught that. I loved the idea of writing. I love art. I love painting and I love color. Gosh, what else? I was also teaching, teaching singing, which I enjoyed, but on the other hand, saw it as something that wasn't a passion. It was something I liked doing and I love the people, but it wasn't something that I saw myself doing forever. I think they were the main things. Oh, and running. <laughs> Trail running. <laughs> yeah, lots of quite varied activities. So where should we go from here, do you think? What do you want to share next? Well, I think 
The first thing that I did with you, I think it was your webinar. And in that webinar, it was almost like a paradigm shift. And I think I'd never thought about why I love the things that I love. What are the feelings that are important to me? What do I want to feel in my work? And once I had some clarity on that, then I was able to start zeroing in on what was really important. Not only that, but understanding how I might be able to feel those things I wanted to feel without feeling like I had to make a career out of it. <laughs> yes. So can I clarify by actually figuring out what potentially some of those core elements were of the dream roles and how you wanted to feel? It took a bit of the pressure off having to turn a specific idea into a paid career straight away. Is that what you're saying? Exactly. And it, it also, and also your suggestion of doing mini experiments actually took a lot of the pressure off. Because of the focus that I've had in the past, I was looking for that focus straight away. And it just wasn't realistic. I mean, for some people it is. I think for some people, they're probably able to go, yep, this is what I want to do now. And that's it. But for a lot of us, we have to experiment a bit in order to really understand why we want to do things and, and understand how we're going to feel doing it. Sure. And I guess how much of the week we want to be doing it. So what I'm hearing Sally talk about is that mini experiments took the pressure off, but also allowed her to get curious. And when you are curious and you give ideas time, actually that's when the magic happens. Now, mini experiments are really taking, potentially you start out with one hour experiments called micro experiments, and you're really testing out ideas and you're looking for joy and ease in those mini experiments and watching out for how do you feel before, during and after. Do I actually want to do more of this? Because what I find is that clients will come up with incredible and big, beautiful, bold dreams and ideas, but it's so easy for our brain to say, well, we have to either go all in or we have to prove we can do this really quickly. And it's not fair. We, wouldn't ex we don't expect a child to learn how to walk in a day or two days, do we? It's, it's trial and error over weeks. So it's about really applying that compassionate mind to ourselves and allowing ourselves time to explore the magic in the idea. Does that sound about right, Sal? Oh, absolutely. And the other thing that really helped me was having your assistance in identifying my strengths because what I hadn't realized was that I wasn't honoring those strengths. I was working against them without realizing that that's what I was doing. So can you give us um, an example? Yeah, yeah. So my five top strengths, the first one was connectedness. The last one is strategy. So I'm quite good on strategy. And the other three were all around thinking. And I love sitting, thinking, reading, studying, learning. But I was in such a hurry to start doing the next thing that I was going to do <laughs> that I really didn't honor that. And in not honoring that, I felt pressure. It wasn't fun until I really recognized the value of the strengths and working with them. It just felt hard and it felt stuck. I didn't feel like I was getting anywhere. So that was a massive help to me. Oh, I love hearing that. And so I think some of you will be like Sally, where you've got a number of thinking strengths or you know, even if you don't know your strengths specifically, you know that you love time where you get to read, where you get to learn, where you just get to think. And the thing is, is we can get stuck in thinking the doing is the most important thing to get progress and headway. But if you don't allow time in your week, whether you know you get up earlier or whether you carve out some time in your lunch hour or in the evening to simply study, reflect and think, even for no progress 
purpose just for fun, that's actually going to energize you. That's going to actually calm your whole system down and allow for purposeful progress in the other times of the day. Totally. (laughs) And it's so much fun. It makes life so much more fun. And also what I come across too is question often is when we're considering developing our career or changing our career is, do I need to study? Now, I think it's a fun question, but you know, it can stress people out. And the thing is with Sally, almost the answer is going to be yes, but she doesn't have to turn the study into a career. So for Sally, just studying is just pure joy for her. And it's if it's in an area of interest that's aligned with her passions and interests, then it will contribute directly to that. But also she can read and study whatever she wants just for the fun of it because it'll energize her and make her really happy. On the other hand, often, especially women think they need to study to show that they can prove a job. And often the answer when I work with people is we can use your current strengths and skills. You don't actually need to do formal study to do your next thing. So often the answer is that. And that's where the mini experiments come in. Like, let's test it out first because study may not be essential you may have enough in you to do the next thing yeah that really makes sense I think for me it helps me to jump out of bed in the morning and feel excited about life (laughs) for other people I can totally see that one could be coming from a place of feeling like what I have is not enough and it is Nikki I think that's that's also something that you helped me understand with whatever it was that I was going to choose to do and I know we'll get to that later, but I was already enough and the studying wasn't about having to fix things about myself or having to get better and better and better and better. That's that perfectionist bit of me that I thankfully have let go of because the thing is, there is always going to be more to learn. So should we touch on some of the mini experiments that really helped you to get clarity? Because we touched on three or four things that you were doing with varying levels of interest. You also had other ideas up your sleeve. Can you share what some of the mini experiments were that helped you to refine where you wanted to spend your energy? Yeah, well, one of the first mini experiments happened actually very organically. I I love the idea of writing books for kids, really helping them to start thinking about mindfulness principles, how the mind works, how we can use it to our advantage, how it can empower us. And I wrote a book for my niece, who at the time I think was six or five, and it was just so much fun. It felt so natural. I did it in one sitting And I came up with all of these things that I had no idea were there. It's kind of, it made me think of, you know, how Einstein used to have his thought experiments. I'm not comparing myself to Einstein by any means, but it just came out of me and it was wonderful and it was exhilarating. And and also seeing her reaction when she got the story at Christmas time, it was, uh, it was actually something I'll never forget, her response to it. She didn't want to let it go you know, and it became sort of a part of her imaginary world for a while. And I think it's still there. It was wonderful. So, so that was a big tick that was like, oh, yes, I like doing this. This feels good. And so I've written another kid's book since then, which I will be getting published at some point. And I have a whole bunch of other ideas that I'd like to use within that range of, of kids' books. So that was one mini experiment that really showed me something that, yes, I really, really enjoy doing this. 
One of the things I want to emphasize here is this is one of Sally's favorite ideas, absolutely. And how she's been able to incorporate it into her life is just by surrendering to a different frequency. So as in she might, she'll tell us how long it's it's been between the first book and the second book. So rather than I'm an author, I need to get X number of children's books out in X months, she's really been allowing it to flow. And so it's a part of her life, but it's not the biggest part of her life. Is that right, Sam? Absolutely. And when it's allowed to flow, um, ideas come just naturally, don't they, Nikki? Like it just happens yeah. easily. No pressure. In the past, I would, have, <laughs> I would have been one of those people saying, right, I have to have 10 books out by such and such, such, and such a time. And I don't know what sorts of rules I would have imposed on myself, but I would have. <laughs> so less rules and more ease and flow. Yep. I'm just trying to think of another mini experiment. I feel like I actually approach my life with mini experiments now, which is just great. It's just so much easier. So I'm just, I'm struggling to think of one of the earlier ones that I did, Nikki, maybe was running one one of them. It could have been. Do you want to talk about the running and then perhaps what was one of the early hypnotherapy mini experiments? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Well, with the running, one of my, I think you call them core values, Nikki. One of the things that's really important to me is a sense of freedom. And I realized through my work with Nikki that that's why I love trail running. I don't really enjoy street running, running just for the sake of it. I love running in nature on trails and often by myself. And I gave myself permission to take some time during the week to actually go somewhere and run on a trail. And that turned into, this is what, a year and a half or two years later, me running 120 Ks over four days and then doing my first ultra marathon two weekends ago on my own. And I think people are surprised because it's, it's not a normal way of doing it. Usually people would enter an event and do it that way. But really what I love about it is that time alone in nature and the adventure and the freedom of it. And that's how I like doing it. And so that's how I did it. <laughs> and it was wonderful. It's so brilliant. I love that. And doing it your way. Yeah. Think of how much thinking time you've got. Totally. (laughs) So up next, let's talk about the hypnotherapy. So you now help people to resolve trauma, anxiety, and depression through hypnotherapy. Now I have met a few of Sally's clients and I can testify that this stuff works. So I've seen people take Sally from being in the severe you know class of anxiety and bringing them back down to the mild or even resolving it completely so I'm really excited to hear more from Sally and for her to share it with you all what do you want to tell people about this hypnotherapy tool well we underestimate the power of our minds (laughs) and we think that we're making decisions logically we think we're thinking through things we think we know why we're making decisions and we think all of that with our conscious minds (laughs) but really what is ruling us, what runs every electrical response in our body, what keeps our heart beating, keeps our lungs breathing, what is running us is our subconscious mind. And that's really where the power of transformation is. I studied hypnotherapy, but really what I tend to practice now is something called the Richards trauma process. And Trauma is a big word. A lot of us think, oh, I haven't had a particularly traumatic life or anything. That's not relevant to me. But really what it does is essentially help people get out of their own way. For example, if if something happened to you when you were a little kid and you might have been humiliated in class, for example, and that turned into a belief, I'm stupid or I don't belong or something like that, then whether we're aware of it or not, that is going to be the basis for decisions through our whole life until that is, in inverted commas, reprogrammed. So 
some people have distressing events that have affected them enough that they're kicked into the stress response. So they're, they're basically living in some sort of version of the fight, flight, freeze, and I add to that appease response to stress. And that's what causes anxiety, you know, or depression or chronic stress. And unless we actually go in and undo the cause of that, it's going to be affecting us in a way that we cannot control with our conscious mind. So I work with people who have chronic issues with anxiety, panic attacks, fear, dreadful grief, those sorts of things. But I also work with people who just know that there's something holding them back and they just can't figure out what it is. Or they've done all this self-help work, but it still doesn't seem to free them from whatever it is that they feel like is, is holding them back. So really, it's helping people get out of their own way and put them in a position where they can thrive. So good. Yeah. So do you want to share an example, Sally, to illustrate what you're talking about? Yeah, sure. So I'll, I'll share, um, if it's okay, I'll share two examples because they're sort of on opposite ends of the spectrum in a way. So I had somebody come to me in her 60s and in her 50s she'd started to have memories of abuse from her childhood. The memory is a very interesting thing. You know, we, we still don't fully understand how it works. But this woman had found herself suffering from horrible anxiety, low self-esteem, low confidence. She was the sort of person who'd put everyone else first her whole life. She just had taken on the belief from a really, really early age that she wasn't worth anything that she had, she had no sense of self-worth. She felt like she didn't matter. Everyone else was more important. That belief had prompted the decisions she'd made during her life. But she got to this point where, and I think a lot of people will relate to this, if you put enough pressure on anything for long enough, it starts to develop cracks. And it was at this point where the, the real anxiety was kicking in and she just felt like she was running around, chasing her tail, unable to stop. So with the work that I do, we don't revisit traumatic events because that can be really damaging. But we work with what happened after the event and we're able to sort of turn around the beliefs and the physiological responses that have happened as a result of that, those events. Some of the events we can't even remember and that's fine. We can still do the work. So after three sessions, actually with this person, I did four sessions. Normally I work with people for three sessions. For this person, she needed four sessions and she went from a DAS score. Now DAS is depression, anxiety and stress scale. She went from a DAS score during our first session of high 30s. Now a lot of clinicians double that number. So this is the number not doubled. I think she was a 37, something like that. And that's in the severe range, yeah? That's in the severe range. Thank you, Nikki, for clarifying. Yes. By the beginning of our fourth session together, she was at one. That's incredible. Yep. And her whole life has changed and she just feels herself. She feels herself. She feels valuable. She feels like she matters. And now she can be and do who she wants to be and do what she wants to do. It's, it's, um, she's living in a different paradigm. She's living really according to the truth of who she is as opposed to all of the lies that she took on as a child. The other case that I would like to share with you is actually my own experience as a client going through the Richards trauma process. So 
as practitioners, we all go through the process ourselves. I thought of myself as a pretty relaxed person. <laughs> I remember saying to the practitioner who worked with me, you know, I'm, I'm actually fine, you know, I've worked through a lot of stuff and I, I'm good, I'm happy, I'm doing well. And I remember her just saying, oh, yeah, mm -hmm. yep, okay. We all experience ourselves. We can only experience ourselves as our normal. We don't know what else we can experience because we haven't experienced it yet. I knew my normal and I thought my normal was how I am. Well, my experience of doing TRTP, by the end, I really knew what it was to be a relaxed person. I'd thought I'd known that before. Well, I didn't. <laughs> At the end, I really knew what that felt like and I really knew what it was to stand in my power. My relationships improved because I was able to be true to myself. It's, it's not like I had thought I wasn't being true to myself before, but by the end of the sessions, that ha that's how I felt. And things like performance nerves, I just thought that was normal. I dealt with it. I was fine. I didn't find it crippling in any way. I just got on with the job. Well, after TRTP, I don't, I don't get performance nerves anymore. I feel a little bit of adrenaline, but there is no sense of fear behind it. That's really interesting to share your own experience because like you said, you went into it so you could fully understand the process as a client and you thought you were fine. But actually there's a new normal that you can come to after TRTP. That's right. Absolutely. Thanks for sharing those two stories. Is there anything else you wanted to add? I think, I think we all get so tied up in the illusion of who we think we are and I would love for people to feel, feel the freedom to challenge the beliefs you have about yourselves because they are things that we've taken on board. Some of them are really positive and help us negotiate life in a really empowered way, but others are not. And understanding that beliefs have nothing to do with truth, they're just things we've taken on, I think is a really empowered position to come to. And what that also does is when we get to the point where we can challenge the beliefs, again, if you want to sort of undo them, working with the subconscious mind, I believe, is the most effective method. But even getting to the point where you're challenging those beliefs you have about yourself puts you in a position where you can be open for inspiration. And inspiration comes from the subconscious, just like dreams. Oh, that's brilliant. So Sally, I'd love you to share with everyone how many things you are actually fitting into your life right now. <laughs> okay. So I am working with my wonderful clients with the Richard's trauma process and working with the subconscious mind. I am teaching singing. I am performing. I am running. I am writing. And well, with some degree of a success, keeping my, my house in okay order. <laughs> <laughs> so what you've designed, Sally, is a, is a portfolio career, which works really well for multi-passionates. You're doing four to five things potentially each week. And can you share with us what that means for you in terms of the freedom piece? But also, I guess I'm wondering if people would be thinking, is there any trade-off to doing lots of things? Well, one of the things that aligns with my need for a sense of freedom is variety and being able to do a bunch of things. Now, having said that, yeah, I am still paring down. And there are some things that I know I will 
end up doing less of, and that will be a really good thing. There are probably some things which, well, like the singing, for example, I love singing. I love performing. The reality is if you want to perform at the, the level at which I want to perform, it's a daily discipline. And I'm not sure how much longer I want to allow for that time for the daily discipline of it. So singing might fall by the wayside at some point, but I'm just not quite ready to let go of it yet, having done so much work for so long. And to be able to sing at that level is, it's like a high. It's the most wonderful feeling. And even that feeling kind of feeds into my sense of freedom. So I, in complete honesty, I feel like I am doing probably two things too many right now. <laughs> And it's a process for me of not putting myself under pressure to just stop doing them, but in a slightly more natural sort of organic way, just letting things take their course with the understanding that life will probably be a little bit easier when I have dropped one or two things. Perfect. So can you hear with Sally for her freedom and variety meant I want to fit in as much as I can. And then once you're doing that, and by the way, shaping your work week to play to your strengths really allows for you to fit a lot in and to still feel energized. But can you see how there's still fine tuning along the way? And so Sally's got the tools now to do that. And it's a process. I, I wonder if some people think once you figure out what the combination is, that's it. But actually, there generally is some fine tuning along the way as well. But what's beautiful is once you realize that you do love a lot of things and you want to fit them in and then you do fit them in, then that gives you the freedom, that base of freedom to work from. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned to me the other day that you wish that we'd met and started working together earlier. Can you think about when that would have been and, and why? Oh my goodness. Well, honestly, I would have loved to have started working with you when I was at uni because the way you help people, they're able to identify what it is they really truly want and how they can get that. And if I'd had the opportunity to work with you, well, I'm really thinking as, as early as possible, to be honest, I think life could have happened in a lot more easeful way. Whereas for me, for a lot of my life, I did strive and there's nothing wrong with striving if it feels good, but some of the time it just didn't feel good. So I honestly, I think it would have been amazing to have had your guidance when, when I was a uni student. That's amazing, Sam. It's true. <laughs> wow. So did you have a mini experiment or mini challenge in mind? Maybe it would be identifying one belief you have about yourself that doesn't serve you and imagine the opposite. Imagine the flip side of that belief which would serve you and feel how it would feel to be experiencing and living according to the flip side of that belief. Because once you start to engage the power of the imagination, you are working with your subconscious mind. And so everyone can reframe that belief and use that as a mantra, can't they? And if you want to tackle, you know, more than one belief, give Sal a call, I'd recommend, wouldn't you? Absolutely. And with anyone who wants to work with me on, on this sort of stuff, I do have a brief chat with them first to make sure that we're on the same page the, okay. with the work that needs to be done. Yep. Perfect. So Sally, why don't you share your website and then if people want to book in for that free chat, they can do that. Sure. It's www.sallywilsonholistics.com. So that's S-A-L-L-Y-W-I-L-S-O-N h-o-l-i-s-t-i-c-s dot com thank you nikki oh you're welcome 
Sally, thank you so much for chatting with me today. And Sally has shared her website with you. And if you go to the website, I will put some more details in the show notes there. So thanks again, Sally. Thank you so much for having me, Nikki. That was really fun. Super fun. I'll see you soon. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. If you want to hear more stories like this one, please subscribe and spread the word. Till next time.